I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Next Move Group. We are Jobs Podcast. My name is Gabby Moley, CEO of Next Move Group, and today I have Robert Van Guyans. He is the president and CEO of the Fayetteville-Cumberland Economic Development Corporation in North Carolina. Robert, welcome to our show. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, tell the folks a little bit about Fayetteville-Cumberland and some of your recent successes there. Sure. Well, we are located right along 95, halfway between D.C., and Florida, a historic community of about 350,000 people and the proud home of the world's largest military installation by population, Fort Bragg. It's one very unique place in the sense of we've got 86 languages spoken in our schools from that many countries. And because of our mission to serve and protect around the world, we have a very diverse community, not just here from the U.S., but in a global sense as well. We're on the move. We're moving forward. We've just announced a second project with Amazon, which I know makes us not unique in economic development. Uh, we just had our first cryptocurrency company land. And next month, we'll be going live with a 10 gig all fiber broadband network, bringing that here to Fayetteville and Cumberland County and to our citizens. Five years, 5,000 jobs, $500 million. Finally got there with this Amazon announcement. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, we find ourselves in a good spot kind of an emerging market in close proximity to Raleigh and Durham. And some, you know, as our large metro have seen a lot of activity, we're seeing it ripple through us next year. Well, I'm sure some of our listeners would love to know more about the process and getting all fiber broadband. Can you, you know, go into a little more detail and tell the listeners about that? In just a few weeks, we'll be officially lighting Metronet here in Fayetteville and Cumberland County. This will be their first installation in our state. They're in a number of states now. And what we were able to do was work with the company to expedite their deployment through our utilities commission, working with our providers, through the zoning officials. And for us, this was an incredibly important project as we suffer from a real digital divide in both our rural and some of our impoverished areas. And if COVID-19 
made anything clear. It's the importance of access to a high quality broadband infrastructure. We also want to do this where it's affordable and we're working on a number of programs to increase adoption. And so this is something that was on the books as a goal for our community for at least the last five to 10 years. And I'm just really proud that I got to play a part in making it happen here. Robert, I know you and I were talking earlier before we started recording about a talent portal for Fort Bragg. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, we have 7,000 soldiers complete their service each year. In some ways, it's a perpetual talent pipeline, but we lose up to two-thirds of them, some wanting to go home, another third saying that they would love to stay here if they had a quality job. So we're in the process working with partners to build an HR talent portal. And what this facility will do is during the last year of a soldier's time, a private sector company can come in at no cost to them and train that soldier. So after their last day in uniform, they take that off and they put on a name badge and they go to work for one of our nation's best employers. And that can be here or anywhere in the country. We really want to solve the hardest to fulfill talent needs for business using those that have served our company and providing them an economic future that's brighter. Awesome. We'll definitely be looking out for that. That's super innovative. Well, let's transition a little bit. Take us back into how you first stumbled upon into this world of economic development. I know we all didn't dream of being economic developers when we were little. A lot of us fell into this field. Some knew at an early age this is what they wanted to do. So how did you learn about this field? I would say, honestly, it's very rare that you find folks who even know what an economic developer is at the start of their career. For me, it actually comes from a I'm a recovering land use planner. You know, I worked with subdivisions and helping communities have development ordinances and growth policies. And really, it came down to trying to figure out how a community can be economically viable. How do you provide the services your citizens need while also keeping tax rates low for the residents? And ultimately, when it looked into the cost of serving a community, the place that differentiate those that can move ahead and those that are held back is that non-residential development. It's being an economic engine and having a non-residential tax base. So I said that to someone one day as we were discussing school system impacts of subdivisions. And I said, we really need to create a stronger tax base and grow jobs. I said, you should be an economic developer. And I said, a what? And up until then, (laughs) I didn't even know exactly what they were. But it turns out they were right. And I'm just glad that I found that in my first 10 years of work and not my last 10. Awesome. Well, yeah, take us back in those first 10 years of work. You know, what did you do before you were an economic developer? I started in code enforcement, knocking down crack houses and towing junk cars. Eventually (laughs) worked, no joke there, eventually moved into doing things with historic districts and then environmental regulations and environmental planning in Connecticut and ultimately working for a consulting firm in the Charlotte area, which was great. It was all around land use planning, annexation, grant writing, And it really did allow me in just a few years to touch a number of communities and projects, really a career's worth in just a matter of months where we were able to do a lot of good things in communities that we otherwise wouldn't have been able to get to experience. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners and be right back right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky 
Economic Development Buildings and Sites Database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo, and see if this can help your community have more success. Tell us a little bit how you grew up. I mean, what built this foundation for all that success that you had? Honestly, I think when you're a kid growing up, everybody probably wants to be an astronaut or a rock star or something along those lines. And I'd be remiss, those that have seen me uh, traveling with a guitar or performing at the sites of the Guild, know I still harbor some future dreams of that. But ultimately, originally, it was about public service. And uh, like a lot of, I think, folks going through the political science world, I thought I wanted to be involved in politics. And after working on a couple of elections, I realized that my place is in policy, not in the election cycle, and uh, made that move out of it there. The little advice I ever give to those coming up, whether it's in high school or college, is to get out, do an internship, volunteer, take an early chance to find out you don't want to do what you think you want to do. Because after four years of Latin, I realized after working for a law firm in high school that I did not want to be a lawyer. about uh, knowing where your path shouldn't go as much as where you hope it will. Definitely. That's great advice. Well, who would you say was the biggest influencer on your career? You know, going back, there really was, uh, I think, two folks. I had an incredible scoutmaster. He was a World War II veteran. And everything in his life came back to, to kind of quote Edward Markham there, what you put out into the lives of others comes back into your own and putting service above self. And that the financial rewards are great, but if you can make a difference in people's lives, especially the lives of people you may never meet, that's a beautiful thing. And so Dan Shattuck really instilled that in all of us as he went about his life. And then later on, really an incredible college professor who championed all of us to think outside the box, to never delude ourselves into thinking we had the right answer, and always trying to find a path to greater knowledge. I think that's where it comes from, is knowing that what we do helps others. And also the challenge of the moment we think we've got it figured out, the game changes or someone else does something a little bit better. And I think that's one of the unique things about our field is there's always a next opportunity for new talent and new ideas. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners and be right back right after this. Hello everyone, Gabby Molise here to highlight this week's Executive Search Spotlight. This week we're going to spotlight the Hines County Mississippi Economic Development Authority and their search for a new executive director. Hines County Mississippi is located in the center of the southeast and within 500 miles of approximately 39% of the nation's population and total personal income. It is located right in the middle of Dallas and Atlanta. The Hines County Economic Development Authority is located in Jackson, Mississippi, which is not only the capital of Mississippi, but considered the city with soul and of blues music. 
Hines County has three industrial parks, great hospitals, and access to great higher education. The executive director will oversee the day-to-day operations of the Hines County EDA. To learn more, visit thenextmovegroup.com backslash Hines or contact Brittany McCoy with The Next Move Group with any questions. Definitely. This field is ever-changing, so you always have to be thinking of new ideas and being innovative. We've interviewed many highly successful economic developers throughout the years, and they all have different habits that they would say make them successful. Some of them block out certain parts of their calendar to make sure that they're not bothered during that time. Some wake up really early in the morning to get their work done. Some work really late at night so that way no one's bothering them. What are some habits that you do that you think make you successful? This job, depending on the community you're in, you know, politics on the local level could be a full contact sport. And between the clients and the board and the elected officials and the work-life balance, I think really trying to stay true to yourself, trying to stay true to the core mission, which for me is helping people have a better economic future. If I can kind of refresh and really come back to that and ask myself, Today, what are the things that I can do that will have the greatest positive impact on my community? The rest will work itself out. And what I have found is through it all that when people trust that you're a passionate and honest advocate, they end up supporting your work. And so while it might be difficult and at times turbulent, when they know that you're staying the course for the good of the greater community, they're going to be with you in the end. And I think that that's how I shake off some of the rougher days. Awesome. Love that. All right, Robert, well, tell the folks the best way to reach you. Absolutely. They can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. I guarantee there's only one Van Gans out there in economic development. And they can find us on the web at www.fayedc.com. And I look forward to hearing from anybody who'd like to connect or catch up. Great. Well, thanks for being on our show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.